So this morning I wanted to do something a little bit different. Uh, we, we're gonna, we've been talking about trust and faith and the difference between those two things and exploring that. And we're going to keep doing that as we, as we go on. But as well as teaching at those times and what, what it means to develop relationally in terms of trust and faith, both with Jesus and each other, uh, I also want to make sure we make time to kind of hear what God's saying in the moment. And um, I want to do that because I believe we're in a really important moment in time. Uh, and, and we've got to learn to develop ears to hear, as Jesus said, uh, because I think there's some very important things we've got to be aware of so we can navigate this time in the best way possible. Because uh, everybody's navig navigating this time, but there's, 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 there's better ways to navigate. And um, Anne's already mentioned it, but Paul's been sending out some daily prayer bulletins. And as I've been reading them and praying through them, it struck me they were much more than prayer bulletins and more like prophetic declarations and insights as well as, as well as prayer. And uh, yeah, you can, ask, you can ask Margaret if you're not, if you're not getting them. Um, so this morning what I've done, I've taken some of those bulletins, have been 10 so far, and, and kind of fashioned them to share them, really. So it's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to kind of, but I think it flows together. We'll, we'll find out whether it flows as we carry on. Um, so let's start here in Psalm 139. Because uh, this is a beautiful place to start. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows very well. Well, that's maybe something we've got to learn, isn't it? Does our soul know well? that his works are marvellous. It did for David. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully raw in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. So before you were knit together in your mother's womb, and there's lots of knitting together in wombs going on right now, which is very exciting. Uh, it's wonderful. It's a good job, because all the ones who were babies, when we come back together, they'll be running around, so they'll, <laughs> they'll have all grown up, so. There we go. Of course, you, you, you were found in the womb of God before anything else. You were surrounded and enfolded in his love before you were ever thought of by a mother or a father. And of course, you are actually still there. It's impossible not to be surrounded and enfolded in his love because all things are in him. So if everything's in him, you are part of everything, so you are found in him. And that goes for everybody, whether they've recognized Jesus as Jesus, as Lord and Savior or not, they're still found in him. Because everybody's his kid, it's just not everybody's realized who the dad is yet in terms of the Father, but we're all found in him. So it's impossible not to be in him. You're still his child, and you always and will forever be surrounded and enfolded in his love. And really, I guess the point of what we call Christianity is coming to learn to experience that in whole new ways, that we are surrounded and enfolded in his love, that you are loved by the Father, who formed you before the creation of the world, according to Ephesians. Of course, though, when you were actually kind of launched into the earth, <laughs> launched? <laughs> Interesting birth. Anyway, when you were released, 
into the earth. We, we'll stop there before I make more mistakes. You, you, of course, were open to the elements and all the influence of the world. But the Father's heart is still the same towards you. He knows you. He sees you. He knows what you love and like. And his desire is to see you fully released into all his goodness and grace. That every day might be a day filled with good things. That's his heart. That every day might be filled with good things. And before you even uh, were birthed onto the earth, he'd already predestined a tremendous future for you in him. He fashioned and shaped and created the days he wanted. Of course, then you were open to the elements of the earth and to others who did not want those same things or were unable to offer those same things because they themselves had not been offered them. But in truth, he predestined a tremendous future for you and still does. And of course, it brings him the greatest joy when you have a wonderful day. It's the greatest pleasure he has. Because as a dad, when my kids have great days, I'm an happy man. Well, it's the same with the father. When he sees you having a great day, he loves it. When he sees you having a difficult day, he cries. And of course, this is what he desires and sees for you. That's his heart for you. But of course, whether we walk in it or not is up to us because we have a choice. And he'll always give us a choice. But the days he's fashioned for you, every day, a day of grace, salvation, restoration, and love. That day, every day, of course, we have to choose to walk in that which he has fashioned for us. I could create a wonderful moment for my kids, but they could choose to not walk in it. I could go, I've got this plan for you, I've got that plan for you, I want to take you here, take you there. I could go, no, I just want to stay at home. They can choose. Well, we can choose whether we walk in the days fashioned by the Father for us. And of course, one of the days... One of the ways our days are fashioned is by what we listen to and who we allow to have authority in our lives. You realize that you choose who has authority in your life by giving power and attention to that which you hear. And Isaiah 8 verse 19 says this, When they say to you, consult the mediums and the wizards who whisper and mutter, should not a people consult their God? Should they consult the dead on behalf of the living? Which mediums have we been consulting? Of course, the the media is the greatest medium on the face of the earth at this time. A medium is a way of getting a message. And there's, there's um, in the kind of 70s and 80s, there were a number of books written about the medium and the message, and lots of talk about whether the medium changed the message. And actually, in this technological age, what's been proven is that the medium does change the message. So lots of people would say about the message of Jesus, it doesn't matter how you tell it, it's just the same message. But that's not actually true because technologically how you share a message impacts the actual message. Because you could, re- you could listen to me now and you can see me so you can see my, that uh, you can hear inflection in my voice, you can hear stuff, you can see my facial expressions or you can just read it. Well, if you read my notes, you would get a slightly different message because the medium is different. And of course... So, so, so there's the media, whether it's old or new or whatever, it is a, the greatest medium and it wields great power. Uh, it's not neutral. It has power. It has an agenda. It has a thing. It is not neutral. Uh, it is trying to get your attention so it can sell you more of the same thing because everybody is in business. None of it's free. And then, of course, you've got the, uh, the wizards. Well, I suppose the wizards are high technology. The wizards are the, uh, 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 are the high tech of, of, of social media and all that you see now. And um, of course, they are whispering, they are muttering, they are speaking, talking, censoring, deciding what's true and what's not. But of course, they're not founded as far as I can see on God. So when they tell you what's true or not, it's not God's version of truth. It's their version of truth. 
then of course none of them are elected. We don't get a chance to get rid of them. It's just their version of truth. So we've got to be careful about who we're consulting because it says, should not a people consult their God? And so we have to ask ourselves, who are we consulting? Who are we listening to and who are we giving authority to? It's really important at this time. The mediums and wizards of the media and big tech are, are we le learning to listen to the voice of the Spirit? John 3.8 says this, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it goes or where it comes from. So is everyone born of the Spirit. In Acts 2, the movement of the Holy Spirit is described as a mighty rushing wind. And at some point in his life, King David is instructed to sit under a mulberry tree and wait for the sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry bushes, which is an interesting military strategy. But that's what he was told to do. And then when he heard the sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, he was to go out to war. And of course, there is a mighty move of the Spirit going on at this time. There really is. And lots of things are embryonic. We've been praying about embryonic things since the start of the year. And... Um, some of that is just physically embryos, but there's lots of other embryonic things. There's, there's embryonic relationships, there's embryonic ministries, there's embryonic businesses, there's embryonic, there's all sorts of embryonic things that are going on because there is a real move of the spirit going on. Now you might not be able to see it and it's very hard to describe how it's moving, but there is the sound of it if you can learn to listen. It's just, just beginning to rustle in the tops of the trees. There's, there's a sense of, there's a movement of justice just starting to be heard, of an uncovering just starting to be heard, that's just starting. Because it, doesn't always, it depends who you're listening to as to whether you can hear it or not, of course. But, but let me ask you this question as well. What are you wanting to hear? What are you hoping to hear? You see, I know that many people are anxious to listen to... Uh, Boris tomorrow, because he's apparently going to give us a route out of lockdown. Um, I won't get excited, by the way, uh, in the near future anyway. Um, and of course, I understand why millions will want to tune in to that. Uh, who don't want the kids back at school? Who don't want to be able to enjoy restaurants, cafes, everyone being back together at church, the possibility of going on holiday? Of course, I want to enjoy all that. Of course, I do. But I'm not primarily concerned about hearing that voice. Because whether lockdown is immediately lifted or will last another 12 months isn't really the issue. Now, I am concerned it's lifted for people who don't know Jesus particularly, because that is the only hope they've got. So for them, I'm, I really hope it gets lifted and lifted quickly. I hope it gets lifted for those who have delayed hospital appointments, those who are suffering anxiety, those who have lost jobs and businesses, and all the other horrendous side effects of lockdown, which very clearly affect the poor and the needy more than anybody else in society. So I hope it gets lifted for all those reasons. And I want it lifted for them, perhaps because it's the only relief they, they know. It's the only hope they've got. Their hope is in the politicians. Their hope is in people who are going to they hope restore their freedoms. But if we know Jesus, if we know Jesus, and if we claim all the things we claim and we sing all the worship songs we love to sing, surely it shouldn't really matter. Because I think we could say this, and I, I, I tell you we're putting this in our not, so. The extent to which getting out of lockdown matters to you tells you how much or how little you've come to rely on Jesus. Think about it. I know that sounds a bit harsh, but think about it. 
Because whatever Boris announces won't make a bit of difference to your internal life. It won't make a bit of difference to how the kingdom will advance. It won't make any difference to what God can do, unless that difference is in your mind. Is God limited by what our politicians decide? Is the work of God limited by what God says you can or cannot do? Is your life dependent on what our leaders permit and deny? Is your future tied up in the hands of politicians and civil servants? How has it already been decreed by your maker in heaven who is above all, in all, and through all? What's right? But we've got to think about these things. It's important. Of course, I understand. We all want it lifted. Of course, we're all fed up. But listen, you realize the fastest growing church in the world in the last 30 years was where they had the greatest restrictions. China. So, it depends what you really want. Now, I don't want lockdown. <laughs> I'm not saying, please, let's have more. All right, I'm as fed up as you are. Trust me. Okay? But I'm just saying this. Next year, there'll be a different storm. But there'll still be a storm. And what I'm asking you is, have you learned to rely on him in the storm? So that on the next storm, whatever it is, you can rely on him more. Because that's the issue. If all we've done is just trying to get through desperate for some politician to tell me what I can or I can't do, well, what's the point in Jesus anyway? What's the point if we're just relying on that? What are you wanting to hear? And who are you listening to? I, I like you, I, I want to, well, yeah. Anyways, but I'm just asking the question. Perhaps the extent that you kind of are going, I want this thing to end, I want this thing to end. And of course, we're all on a different journey and we're all starting on it. But for me, I'm like, for me personally, listen, the kingdom's advancing. I'm growing and I'm being transformed. So it makes no difference to me personally whether there's lockdown or not. Because the kingdom's going forward and I'm learning to live for the kingdom. So what difference does it make? Of course, for everybody else around me. Then of course, I want it lifted. Of course, for those people who are suffering, who are of course, for them. But, but what about for you, personally? What does it mean? Would it crush you if it carried on? Okay, but, but you realize, I understand if people don't have Jesus that they're crushed, but we say we've got Jesus. Well, what does he mean for you then? What difference has he made? Surely he should have made some difference, shouldn't he? Maybe not. Hopefully. Hopefully you are not listening to fear-filled posters the government's been sharing. You might have seen them in various places. Act like you've got it. And I, un I understand why. I understand why they'd go with that message. Got it being COVID, of course. And I understand why you would go with that message to a whole nation. But for me, as a follower of Jesus, I'd rather act like I've got some faith than act out of a figure of something else. So I understand why, but instead of acting like I'm going to die, I think I'd like to act like I'm going to live and live an abundant life. Because acting as though I've got a highly transmissible disease is probably not going to help anybody live life. It's going to create an environment that is the opposite of life and create an environment of fear. And anything from a place of fear leads to death. And of course, it also keeps people apart. Listen to these statistics on loneliness. 
This was a report done in 2010, which is a meta-analytical review, which I think means it's a review of multiple studies. Uh, recent reports highlight the effect of loneliness on biological, physical, and mental health. And one found there was a 50% increase in likelihood of survival for those with strong social connections. So you take anybody who gets ill, there's a 50% increase in their chance of survival if they have strong social connections. The same study found that having weak social connections carried a health risk, listen to this, equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day or being an alcoholic. Loneliness is considered more harmful than not exercising and twice as harmful as obesity. So I disagree with anybody who tells me I'm meant to keep away from everybody my entire life. Perhaps we should act as though he's got some faith. Since you have a gift of faith which came from your Father in heaven, a measure that is sufficient for your life and all you are called to do, then maybe we're meant to move in those places. Because, of course, if you use what you have, it'll reproduce again and again. And it's important uh, how we act, because how we act determines what we become. Because, of course, we're all becoming something. Luke 6 says this. Now, it came to pass in those days, he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself. And from then he chose 12, whom he also named apostles, Simon and his brother, James and John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, Simon, Judas, son of James, Judas Iscariot, who also became a traitor. So, Jesus prayed all night. That was probably something he often and habitually did. And then he called his disciples to himself. He didn't call them to a ministry, he didn't call them to a platform, he didn't call them to a venture, he didn't call them to a business, he called them to know him. He didn't call them to start a charity, he didn't call them to start a church, he didn't call them to run a business, he didn't call them to do any wonderful things, he called them to himself first and foremost, to know him first and foremost. And these people were called from his disciples, a disciple is someone who's learning in love and submission and discipline, somebody who can be called for a new moment. And he called them and then he named them to become something more of which they knew nothing about. He says he chose them and named them apostles. They didn't have a clue what an apostle was. They might have wished he hadn't chosen them when they found out what one was. <laughs> but he, uh, they didn't have a clue what they were getting called for. They were, all right, this is good. You know, we're, the, we're already a disciple. We're already following. Now we're getting chosen for something more. Excellent. And of course, all of them became something other than they were. Eleven became apostles. One became a traitor which was nothing to do with God. He didn't make anyone do anything. Judas chose what he became. Judas chose to not deal with his greed. Judas chose it, not Jesus. And God loves everybody equally, of course, and desires that none should perish. And I, I think, you know, we know that Judas was given the money back. Well, that was because Jesus wanted him to deal with his issue. He knew he had an issue of greed. So he went, come on, son, let's deal with it. But Judas chose not to deal with it. Therefore, he became something different than what was in the heart of God for him. Uh, James, John, and another Judas, they became apostles, leaders with great influence. But, but what have you become over this last year? What have you become? And I'm not interested in, 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 in the promotion you got at work, or the doors God's opened for you, or the charity you started, or the prayers you've seen answered, or how much of the Bible you've read. I'm interested in how much you know about him, because he called people to him. The only measure we have is whether you've become more like him. How are you more like Jesus? 
Are you choosing to become the person that God knows you can be? Because we seem to have made celebrities out of people who can do things, but we've not made celebrities out of people who are like Jesus. We've made celebrities out of people who can build great things and do this and do that and the other. But sadly, not all those people look like Jesus. But we should be, well, we shouldn't be making celebrities out of anybody actually, but we should be celebrating those who are actually like him and look like him and talk like him and, and, and carry his heart. Of course, lots of people don't end up like Jesus because to become like that will require a forensic deep clean of your heart. There are things in our hearts that we think we've deleted, consciously or unconsciously, we've put them away, but there is a deep clean of the spirit going on if you will let him, if you'll allow him in. Hebrews 4 says this, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And of course, there's lots of... In order to be like him, you've got to work out why you're not like him. And that's painful because you have to admit that you're not like him. And you have to allow yourself to deal with the ways that you are not like him. With the pride and the jealousy and the anger and the ego. And we've all got ego. All of us battle our ego one way or another. I wrote a year ago, I was rereading some of my, my, my journal, and I, I wrote that one day I felt like my ego was like a caged lion, desperate to get out, roaring at me. That's how it felt like in that moment. But at least I knew about it, so I could put it back in its cage. Of course, most people don't even know about it, so it just roars, and then discerning people see it. And of course, mine, I don't always manage to keep him in his cage, but I'm, I'm getting better. But of course, you have to then admit that that's the issue. You have to write it and go, no, that is me. As much as I believe I've become a little bit like Jesus, I've still got these things going on inside of me that are fighting and battling and wanting to come out that don't look like Jesus. And of course, when we become aware of that which is wrong, what the Bible calls sin, which is anything that does not flow from the mind, heart, and life of God, we know that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jeremiah 6 is this. Go stand at the crossroads and look around. Ask for directions to the old road, the tried road and the true road. Then take it. Discover the right road for your souls. But they said, ah, nothing doing. We're not going that way. I even provided watchmen for them to warn them to set off the alarm. But the people said, ah, it's a false alarm. It doesn't concern us. We've been talking about being at a crossroads for almost a year now. Does not wisdom cry out and understanding lift up her voice? This is Proverbs. She takes a stand on the top of the high hill where the paths meet. But of course, we can ask for directions. We can discover the road to walk, discover the things that have already been revealed to us, mysteries that were not known, now freely available at no cost. We can search them out by the Spirit of God and dive deep and call into the depths of God. We can use the time we have, whether that's a lot or a little, to redeem every moment. Because he has provided watchmen. Those who have spent time discovering the depths and bringing forth the secrets that are hidden, they watch and call out when there is danger or the alarm needs to be raised. Please let us not be people who say it's a false alarm. Please let us not be people who, when Jesus provides a way and provides a path and provides a direction, we go, nah, I don't think so. Of course, it's never too little late. 
And today, as every day, is the day of his grace and salvation. Let's search and seek out the depths of his love. Let's discover the life and miracles already finished. Let's return to our Genesis and be found in him. Now, I want to finish off with this. You might have seen this phrase. It's, uh, it's kind of been going around in various uh, places. There we go. Uh, and I'm not going to comment on it. I'm just going to use it as a phrase. If you're going to build something back better than it was, surely you need to know how the previous building had been built so that you didn't make the same mistakes. You would hope to have learnt something which would make the new build even better. Uh, One of Fairnay's dreams is to build our own home at some point. And when we do, we will be very careful to build according to the plan and pattern, the architectural design. Everything done the right way at the right time by the right people. Uh, We love watching grand designs and it always amazes me how many people decide they can do a job they've never done before. And um, it takes them twice as long, costs them twice as much. And I I admire them. Uh, I also think they're probably a little bit arrogant, but there we go. We would recognize the limits to our abilities and getting experts in those areas where we are weak. Now, just because I might have the desire to build back better and even have the plans in my hands, if I don't have the wisdom, insight, and the ability to build, I would be a fool because in the end, it probably wouldn't remain or stand. Eventually, it would fall. So if you want to build back better, then maybe we should make sure we follow the advice of Jesus and actually put into practice that which he shared with us. Because it says there in Jeremiah, doesn't it? Ask for directions to the old road, the tried and true road. Then take it. And Jesus said in his, his parable about building a house, he said, whoever does these words to mine and puts them into practice will build well. That's the real point of that story, you know, the, the putting into practice bit. It's not the point about sand or whatever. It's about if you put it into practice, yeah. it'll work. Of course, if you've not followed the advice of Jesus, if you've not put his words into practice, then not only will yourself not be built, neither will you be able to build anyone or anything else. But he is the wisdom of God. Jesus is the wisdom of God and the representation image of the Father. And we can see how he builds and he's put around us people who can help us be built. Listening, following, hearing, observing, living in him, we can become wise ones too. Jesus says in Matthew seven twenty six, everyone who hears these things of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man. You see, you can, you can have all the sound bites, image consultants, and every conceivable prop and help. But in the end, if you've not received the words of Jesus, you are a fool. The Bible's words, not mine. And we should always look to see the evidence and the testimony of what's previously been built if we want to rebuild or do a new build. And of course, if somebody's going to build back better, well, I'd want to know how they'd built previously. Because if it fell down... There was something wrong with the old one. So they've either learned something new, but if they've not learned anything new, I'm not going to trust them to build a better because it'll probably just fall down again. Surely if you want to know that if someone's going to even attempt to build back better, they would have some wisdom, some knowledge, and some insight. Surely it would give you attention and focus to those who have already proved they can build well because in truth, it is only those who have not built according to the pattern of Jesus that need to build back. Think about it. You only need to build back if it's fallen down. But if it's fallen down, it means it won't built right in the first place. But what if there are things that have not fallen down? Well, that tells you they were built properly. Of course, everything needs tweaking. But there's a difference between demolishing something and rebuilding and decorating a room. 
the truth is, if it's been built well, it will not have fallen, and it will have no need to be built back. If it has been built well, it will be standing, and it will not need building back because nothing will have fallen down. Why would you trust someone to build a new house when that same person was responsible for the house that has fallen down? Of course, they may have had a new revelation, new insight that means they'll build differently, and I pray that they do. But it's fascinating me, people who are called builders in the kingdom and are demolishing things and building them back up again. Well, that means it won't... If you have to demolish something, that means it won't built properly in the first place. Well, that, that causes me to ask some questions about who built it. Surely, you've got to ask some questions about who built it in that case. As for me, I am looking at those things that are still standing. In fact, not just standing, but those things that have been extended and expanded in the midst of the storms of this last year. Because whoever is responsible for building those things, I can trust to build in the future. And when I say build things, I mean people. Primarily. Because if you can see people around you have prospered in the storms of the last 12 months, and I mean prospered internally, if they've grown despite the storms, then I would be asking this question. Who has built them? Who is the architect of their lives? Who has helped them with the plans and strategies that have seen them prosper? Because there are not many that I can say who have really grown and prospered in these times internally. And there are many in the kingdom who now seem to be wiping away everything that went before and starting again from scratch. But some things, if they've been built well, don't need demolishing because they were built well in the first place. And I would trust whoever that architect was with my own life because the fruit of their life is other lives that have been built and withstood the storm. And I think that in this new era of building back better, we need some wise master builders. And the wise master builders I'm going to trust are those who don't have to demolish something they've previously built because it's still standing. And I am hoping and praying that God raises up more and more wise master builders in the kingdom and that those who have already wise master builders get greater influence for the sake of the kingdom because it needs building well. Because otherwise, what will happen is the pattern will be repeated. And things will get built again. And then something else will come along. And we'll decide in however many years that we're going to do it a different way. And we'll demolish all that and we'll start again. But actually, that's not the way it's meant to work in the kingdom of God. It's meant to be built. People are meant to be built. We're not meant to just kind of do this and then do that. We're meant to be built. I've been built. You have been built. And we should be extremely thankful and grateful. Let's get back to how we started for all the ways we've been built. Because there are not many that I have yet found who now build people really, really well. And I'm not talking about me. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to remember that you were in his womb before anything else, surrounded and enfolded in his love. And why don't you check 
which mediums and wizards you're consulting and whether you're hearing the sound of the spirit. I want to check what you are becoming and what you have become. And I want you to know that if there is a deep clean of your spirit going on, it's only because he wants you to be more like him. It's only because he deeply desires that he would take out that which is not like him to put in something that is like him so you can experience even deeper sense of his love. And let's make sure that if somebody who was built well is setting off alarms, we listen. And we don't just hear the directions, but we take that road. And let's thank God that when I look around at our family and our families around the globe, there are always tweaks to be made. But no demolition things need calling in. Because as far as I can see, it's been built properly. Amen? And once again, I didn't build it, so I'm not talking about me. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your word. And I, I pray, Father, that that which is on your heart would sit with us today, Father. Lord, if there's anything that I have shared that doesn't come from your heart or is not for this moment, then forgive me, Father. I pray, Lord, that you would cause those words to fall away, Father. But, Lord, those words which came from you, Father, which we need to hear today, Father, that each of us needs to hear in different ways, Father. I pray they would take root in our hearts, that we would have heard your voice today, Father, that we would have heard what you were saying to us. And we pray, Lord, that those words from your heart, from your throne, would take root in our hearts, and that they would grow, Father, as, uh, as saplings and strong trees within us, as it were. Father, I just want to bless everybody Hey, Lord, everybody who's watching online now or watching later, Father, I bless them. I want to thank you for the privilege and honor of being able to speak, Father, into their lives. And, Lord, I just, uh, I just want to bless each and every one, Father. I pray, Lord, your favor, your prosperity, your goodness, your blessing on each and every one. And I particularly pray, Lord, that if nothing else was said this morning, that each and every one would know your Father's heart towards them that they would know they are enfolded in your love, that you were fashioned good days for them, that you laugh when they laugh and weep when they weep, and that your sense of love and care would wrap your arms around them in ways they've not known before. I ask, Father, particularly those to whom your love is a new thing, Father, they're just starting to learn about it and see it. Or maybe they're just hearing about this love for the first time, whether they're, whether they're here online. Father, would you surprise them this week? In the name of Jesus, with just a sense of your love and care and compassion, by your spirit, whether that be just when they're in their, at home, on their own, or whether it's through the actions of somebody else, Father, we just release right now, particularly to those, Father, who need it, that sense of your love, compassion, and grace in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.